Hey everybody, welcome to Making It. Uh, I'm Bob Claggett, I'm here with Jimmy Duresta and David Picciuto, and we're going to talk about some stuff. Before we get to that though, I want to ask you guys to go to iTunes, if that's where you listen to the show, and subscribe to it. Leave us a review, rating, all that stuff helps us get in front of more ears, and um, that's really helpful for us because it just helps us understand how big the show's getting, you know, who our audience is and all that stuff. So if you could take a second, go over and do that on iTunes, that would be awesome. Now, if you don't listen on iTunes, just so you know, the show is on Stitcher. Um, you can get the RSS feed on our site, makingapodcast.com. You can put it in whatever podcast you know listener that you use. So there's lots of different ways to listen. So you don't have to go to iTunes. But uh, before we get going, I want to thank Nicholas Gomez, Luis Gonzalez, Matthew Dickinson, and Rick Rhodes. Those dudes are awesome. They're our thank biggest supporters on Patreon. All of our people on Patreon who are helping us out are amazing. and We're really grateful for the support over there. Also, we got a donation from Jeffrey Moore this week, and I wanted to say thanks to him. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, we really appreciate the support. Um, even just, you know, you guys that are talking to us on Twitter about the episodes and, and sending us emails. Oh, man, we got some awesome emails about oh, yeah. the Great whys, email. like why people are making stuff. That wow. one really connected with people. Yeah, that was fantastic. There was some really, really good stuff. So thank you for giving us that feedback, because we all read it, and we all like yes, to hear it. absolutely. Yeah, so um, let's get rolling. David, what are you working on? Nothing really to note about what I'm working on for my channel. I started a couple of videos that are not even for my channel. They're for a couple of companies I'm working with. Uh, one is Rockler, one is Highland Woodworking, and they're two competing companies, and uh, I don't have any exclusive agreements with them. So hopefully... Uh, Interesting. That'll be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> they, Good luck. Yeah. It's 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 they're kind of like product overviews for their their website. So um, hmm. yeah, nothing nothing for me. I have to pay the bills. So you know, if I if I can find nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. That's right. So don't shouldn't be ashamed about doing anything like that. Not at all. So that's what I have. Uh, well, this is Jimmy. What I've been doing is uh, I finished up that sign that you might see on my social media. This is called the the Brompton Cafe, and I hung that today. Today was full of a series of errors. Actually, if you notice, one of the hashtags on the Duress to Shop Dave put up says, "Did you bring the screw gun?" I thought you brought the screw gun or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> we were at, actually at the location, and he looked at me and goes, "Did you pack the screw gun?" I said, "I thought you packed the screw gun," <laughs> and we actually ended up having to go buy a. A, a drill at a local hardware store that nearly burnt out. Didn't we talk about what this on last week or the week before about like if you don't have the right tool or whatever, you just make do with what yeah. you have while you're there? <laughs> yeah. So, so shouldn't we, shouldn't you have drilled those holes with your Leatherman? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when you see the video, half inch steel, and I think in the video you'll see the the gentleman who we were installing for happened to have a drill and we were only able to do two holes with that drill and then we had to do two more because his drill battery died and he didn't have a charger so then we did ultimately end up going to the hardware store getting a really cheap $40 corded drill and it nearly burnt out going through two more half inches of of solid steel and uh, anyway at the end of the day there was like I said there was a series of errors and problems and miscommunications but we kept it lighthearted and fun and we learned from today's experience as we always do and then uh we shot the the tips video tonight all night long with spike and dave and uh, we had a couple of laughs so it ended up being a, a long good productive day and this week's tips is all about hanging pictures and hanging shelves mm. your tip videos are top notch yeah i love them. thank you thank you 
Yeah, it's just, this has been so, like, Dave's been with me for seven years, so, so many dumb things I forgot. He's like, hey, remember the time we were in Riverhouse and you did that? I'm like, oh my God, that's a great tip. So, you know, there's so many things between the two of us that we've, we've problems we've solved and like things we've done and, and just, you know, a lot of the stuff is stuff I learned from my dad. I mean, things my dad have been doing. So it's, uh, it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's really a lot of fun putting them out and, and it's great, great feedback. So thank you everybody for that. I, I need a Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's great. Dave's, Dave wants to come on. So we'll have Dave on as a guest. Yeah, oh, yes. Uh, Let's absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Yeah, he wants to come on. And he's got some funny stuff to do. And Dave's been doing some really good videos. He's he's really bringing a great sense of humor to his videos, uh, which is fun. Because in the beginning, he was like, oh, I don't know. He's afraid. He's afraid he's going to look too much like me. And uh, I said, just keep doing stuff and you'll find your voice, just like we always say. And, and he's he's developing a really great, lighthearted sense of humor in his videos. And and, it, and it's good because he's constantly thinking of like good things to to shoot and do. So I'm proud of him. Awesome. Nice. So, Bob? Um, actually, I watched your bandsaw tips video today. It's been in my watch later list for oh, really? a long time because it's like 20 minutes long or something, you know, and I was yeah. like, kept putting it off. And today I turned it on. I was like, well, I'll watch a few minutes of it and I'll come back to it. And then a minute later, it's over. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was pretty good because it was 20 minutes long and I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was good yeah. stuff. Excellent stuff. Yeah. I try and cut out all the pauses. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, for me, I've been um, I've been off work this week for my day job, which has been cool. And uh, I got a bunch of family in town, and then I've been fighting this sinus infection, which you might be able to hear in my voice. So, been not terribly productive. Um, doing a little bit of stuff here and there, but nothing really of note. Well, I assume both of you, even though you guys haven't been too physically productive, I'm assuming your minds are very productive. Always. All the time. All the time. Uh, I started designing a couple things this week, and... Even when I'm not making videos, I'm still working. I, I can work as much as I want to with because there's always stuff to do on the website. There's always I can always tweak this and, and work on this. And yeah, so I started working. I started designing my 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 new desk. I got a new computer and um and I want to build a desk that's based around kind of like my home recording studio. So yeah, nice. I think that would be a good topic for us to come to not tonight, but at some point about there's you know how there's always more work to do Always. when you're doing this on your own and there's got to be like a point where you have to decide how you how to handle that last june when i did my hey i quit my job video i said i was going to put out project project videos every friday i can't do that i mean I've, i i i tried really hard for a long time but doing the wrap-up the wrap-up takes um, you know, it takes a half a day to shoot on, on Monday. Then it takes a half a day to edit on Tuesday. Oh, and I put it out you got then, a lot of work on that. Yeah. And then throughout the week, I'm like watching videos and taking notes and gathering up what I call the script for the show. And so that takes up a lot of time. And then, you know, the, the, the website stuff and, and everything else, I, I just can't do two videos a week. So, yeah. um, there, there's always, there's always work to do. And yeah, yeah. well, my, my make video is going to be a day late i'm gonna do it tomorrow for friday i hope hmm. so well sometimes you, know you just can't can't do it all you know what you're gonna do for that video i think uh, i'm going to bind a book with a kind of a little bit more of a traditional technique oh nice awesome so, yeah, i'm gonna do a quick notebook interesting so be fun i've just did i just did one in class and kind of it was a practice run but it went really well so i'm gonna do that for tomorrow's video Yep. Yeah, I should be taking advantage of some of this week because um, I, I have some commission stuff coming in, and I should be doing that instead of, you know, not working at all. But man, being sick makes it really hard to get yourself into the shop. I the other day, 
I did try to work. And um, I went down. I felt kind of woozy. And I went into the shop saying, you know, I shouldn't do this. Like, I don't feel right. I'm, I'm going to make a mistake. I just shouldn't go in there. And I, against my better judgment, went in there, found a piece of wood, started trying to figure something out, <sighs> went over, made a cut on this barn wood, this like, that I have a very limited supply of this 100-year-old barn wood. Go in and made a cut. And as soon as I did it, I looked at it and I was like, nope, that's backwards. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I just set it down. Turned around and walked out of the shop and went back to the house <laughs> and laid on the couch. Have just, we done a show on safety yet? I don't think so. Maybe we, we should. should. We, we definitely should because you have to, you really have to be, as Jimmy says, present when you're in yeah. the shop. And you recognize that you weren't and you're like, yeah, I'm done. I, I knew I shouldn't have, but I did it anyway. And it cost me because I had to then work around that mistake, you know? Yeah. yeah. When I get sick, I go right to the shop. Work through it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just ignore it. That's what, be present that, and sick. Yeah, that's what makes the show great. We all have a different personalities and different no, ways. We do honestly, things. like if it's if it's just like if I'm sick, I mean, you know, if I need to be near the bathroom for whatever reason. Other than that, I'm in the shop. Hmm. Like, shit, I just ignore it. I mean, it's not good, and you know, I, I get criticized by my friends and family. But when I'm sick, I just completely ignore it, and I just power through. And, you know, so far, so good. Well, everybody knows their boundaries, too. You know, like, I, if it's if I'm coughing, that's not a big deal. If this was the case where, like, I, I could feel myself in my head being woozy. That was the only yeah, thing. Yeah, well, if you, get, if you have, like, a, de- a dizzy fever, then you, yeah. you definitely should I shouldn't have been there. But I, I, I've been in that experience, too, where you just got to step out. Yeah. So, actually, t- this week's uh, topic is profits versus perfection. And uh, I think it's a good topic because... When you you do things like like I do, and you're constantly making things for for money, there always is that that line. You know, you want to be happy. Uh, I mean, my most important thing is I want my clients to be happy, so that they feel happy paying me, and that they'll recommend me for other stuff. So that's uh, you know that's always always front and foremost. Uh, you know, I guess you could call that perfection. But if the client's happy, then I'm happy. And so that's one thing I'm always looking for. And uh, like I said, that that instills repeat business. Mm. You know, so, um, when it comes down to perfection, it's really just a matter of how much time you're going to spend on something. Like I just made this sign and I spent a lot more time than I expected to on it. And so, you know, as far as my dollar per hour, I'm under, but when you watch the video, you'll see why. And I actually learned a whole new technique that I otherwise never would have done. Mm. So, so this this uh, particular job was one of those where I, I was kind of bombarded with like requests and phone calls in one particular day, and I just said, "Sure, no problem, let's do it." And then I, you know, I always think to myself, "Wow, that means in seven days from now it has to be done." Ooh. Wow, why did I say yes? And uh, and and installed. Oh, you wanted it installed too, you know, which is another day's worth of work. But uh, I was going to water jet it, and there just wasn't time for that. Taylor sourced out a guy that water jet it in Brooklyn. What's that mean? But uh, to have the actual letters cut out with a water jet, which is something I'm going to do next time <laughs> when you see how much work I put into cutting these letters out. So I said, you know what? Let me accept my. I accepted a personal challenge. I said, let me just use the bandsaw. So if you see that sign on my social media, the entire sign was cut out on the bandsaw. Every letter was cut out on the bandsaw. And this and is half-inch steel? It's, uh, no, the steel itself is actually a 14-gauge, which is pretty thick. Hmm. But when you look at the sign, it's all letters inside of a big, broad field of metal. And the letters are cut out. 
So what I did was I cut the metal completely apart. So the metal was cut into eight, eight or nine pieces and then all welded back together and every weld line grinded. Oh, oh. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started getting into it and I got a little desperate. I was like, oh man, I, I'm going to have to abandon this and, and go another route. Because the whole face started getting all ripply. Because you can't put too many welds on sheet metal before it starts to get all wonky. You know, if you go slow, you weld, you tack, and then you wait, you tack somewhere else, and you wait. And then all of a sudden, if you tack too many times, the whole thing starts to get hot, and it kind of gets a little wrinkle in it. And uh, But I was able to hide it. It did get a wrinkle in it, which I thought was detrimental um, to having to start over. But I said, let me keep going down the road of trying to fix it. And I fixed it. I put a steel frame. I welded it to a steel frame. And... Uh, it, ultimately, I ended up really liking it. Uh, I was kind of at a point where I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go back to the water jet guy and just buy myself some time. And Anyway, I, I, I came in a day late, and they, they really liked it. And I hadn't even really seen the interior space just because it was a matter of time. But when I brought it in, it fit the interior space perfectly. The handmade quality, which when you look in the video, it's kind of hard to see the, the, the super-focused. All the letters are bandsawed, and every one of the letters is bandsawed and then filed. So the cut mm. lines are a little wavy because it's cutting through steel and this, you know, the blades get dull quick. So then I, I, I cut close to the line and then I filed up to the line. So it, um, it was a lot of work. Like I said, it was a lot more work than I expected. But mm. I learned a tremendous amount of technique in the process of doing it. So it certainly wasn't a waste of time or money. It, uh, so when it gets down to perfection, you know, I just, the goal was to get this signed to the client on time. And, and I, did, I basically did that. So, but what do you was, think? What do you think would have been the point where you would have had to give up and go a different direction? Um, if it didn't look, when uh, again, uh, letter forms. I always talk about letter forms having to look right. If I stood back and those letter forms looked handmade, hmm. you know, like really handmade. Like if they were handmade in a consistent, a consistency that was acceptable and like, oh, that's cute. Oh wow, those are handmade. Oh, that's beautiful. But when you step back and they're handmade and it just look sloppy. Right, right. Then, then that, then I would have had to just start over. So I, I, when I made it, I cut close to the line, and then I filed up to the line in every instance that I could. Um, <clears throat> but it was getting hard, you know. Then once you cut the paper away and you get rid of the paper, then there is no line. So you just have to go on your judgment and hope that the line that you're cutting up to is, is the right one. So then you just step back and you know you you kind of you're you're working on a wire without a net, and you just hope that ultimately once all the pieces come together, it's going to look right. And so it did look all right. I mean, it wasn't perfect, you know, in quotes, as if it would have been cut on a, on a water jet or, or a plasma laser, a plasma CNC. Um, but the fact that it's handmade and I, I could step back and say that I made that holding by hand and I, I learned a tremendous amount of technique that I otherwise never did. Uh, you know, it's just reapplying techniques that I know. You know, so I always say to myself, if I could do that, I could do that. And if I can do that, I could certainly do that. I had to keep making it until it was perfect. I had no choice. I wasn't going to deliver something that the client wasn't going to be happy with, you know, just to so-called make some profit. Mm. You know, the client had to be happy. And so, and I, and I wanted them to be happy and I wanted to be happy. I wasn't going to deliver something that just looked, just didn't look the way it needed to look, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, Bob, you said you just took on some more commission work. So I want to hear what your take is on this. Well, I mean, uh... I actually get this question from a lot of people who want to start doing like woodworking, you know, to make a little money on the side. 
And they often ask about the things that they, and like somebody emailed me this week and asked about some project ideas that he could make quickly with low cost, you know, of investment and stuff that he could make. I've, I've, I've gotten that question too. There is, there's no, first of all, there's no magical answer to that, yeah. right? Otherwise. You could make things out of paper. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a hard thing to answer because there's a whole lot of stuff wrapped up in like what the answer should be. Um, as far as like who the audience is, who you're trying to sell to, that has a huge thing to do with it. Because if you're selling really high end to a high end crowd, no matter what the thing itself is, um, you're going to get a different return on your work, no matter how much money you put into it, than if you know it's a low end crowd. I really know how to say that, but um, the product itself has less to do, I think, than the person that you're going to be selling it to. Right. And that also has a lot, that same relationship there has a lot to do with expectation. Like if someone's paying you a whole lot of money, they're going to have a very different expectation of the perfection or the finishedness of the thing that you're making for them. Um, you know, if somebody's getting something real cheap at a flea market, they, you know, their standards are lowered a little bit because they understand that they're not paying a huge amount for it. Well, sometimes they don't understand that and they really want it to be perfect anyway, but um, so I don't know. I think it's kind of a tough thing just to think about because you almost need some some context for to be able to answer it. You know, I yeah. mean, so you, if you go you bring, if you're making something for yourself, if you're making art for yourself, then all bets are off. You know, you'll you'll go down that road of perfection way further than if you were making it to sell. Probably, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's funny. Uh, not always, because when you watch like fine woodworkers and dovetail nerds, that when they make stuff in their shop, they make it like, oof, it's beautiful. You know, I wonder if some of these people actually, you know, I'm, I, I don't mean to denigrate anybody, I wonder if these people are actually making any money. When you see a shop that's got beautiful cabinets and stuff like that, you know, usually it's somebody that's retired. You know, again, I don't mean to insult anybody. Uh, in my shop, we just like nailed something together quick and nail it and screw it to the wall um, while we're making a very expensive piece for a client. I was just visited a friend's shop recently and he makes super high end stuff. And I was actually relieved to look around and notice like the accoutrements around the shop were just like totally hammered, nailed together and like hot glued to the wall. And huh. which basically means all their energy is going into the client work. Right. And everything around them, you know, in their shop, not talking about their home, but in their shop, it's just, it, I wouldn't say it looks like a disaster, but it's not perfect by any means cabinets of what they might have found in the street just kind of ragtag together shelves are just like scraps of wood just screwed on top of brackets but meanwhile they're making incredibly expensive beautiful pieces for clients so it's funny sometimes when i see a shop that has like perfect cabinetry behind them and perfect this and perfect that i'm like that guy doesn't have any clients <laughs> you know we used to say that when i worked at the ad agency if the ad agency's website was too nice that means they don't have any clients <laughs> <laughs> um i take a different approach to this because i i don't take on commission work i turn all commission work down so what i do is i build a piece and then try to sell it and a lot of times i'm selling them at handmade events and uh, i really encourage i've been thinking about doing this forever it's like making a sign that says please touch because i want people to pick up my pieces and touch and feel them and hold them. And I take a lot of pride in making sure there's no machine marks on my, 
like bandsaw boxes or whatever I'm trying to sell. So I do shoot for perfection and I have the the option of if something took me way longer than I thought it was going to take, this isn't a commission project. So I can just try to charge more for, for this item. So yeah. I had that luxury, you know? So yeah, I, I have that as well. Sometimes like when I did the flea market, when we did that show about me at the flea market, I did the flea market for another year and a half or two after the show. And it was the same thing. I just would, I was making tons of cool things and I could sell them for whatever I wanted. And if someone didn't want it, I knew somebody eventually along would come up. Like if somebody tried to bargain me when I say didn't want it, pretended like they didn't want it, tried <laughs> to you know, lowball me because it was in an atmosphere where, you know, it's accepted to haggle. Um, I would just say, you know, it's not for sale for that price. It's for sale for this price. And then eventually somebody would come in along and appreciate the, you know, the craftsmanship and buy it. So I've, I've seen, I've been there too. And it's, it's actually very, very nice to be able to just put all your time and energy into something really sexy and then just stand back and say, I want a thousand dollars for that. I don't care what anybody says. That's what it's worth for me to get rid of it mm-hmm. and or, you'll, you know, or to part with it, I should say. Right. And you'll find that if you don't sell it for a thousand dollars, down the road, you might have to lower that price, you know. So, oh yeah, just, if it's something that you you don't want to drag around anymore, then you have yeah. the option to just say, you know what, I'll take this, I'll, I'll less, yeah, whatever. You have yeah. to play the game. Yeah, See, that's sure. that's really interesting to hear that from both of you because, like, I started to go down that road a long time ago and w- tried to make a bunch of stuff to sell at a couple of shows and had no luck with it at all. And I know that that happens on occasion. It's not like I expected mm-hmm. for it all to sell, but I came away from those two experiences just. With like a bad taste in that, like pre-produce some stuff, hope that people want it. And I understand, like you know, maybe producing one of something to, you know, to show off this is what I can do. You know, maybe you want to order some of these or whatever. But I had spent all like a month or two just building inventory, like making duplicates of these things, and over and over and over. And I spent all this, I invested all this time, and wasn't able to sell them. Um, and it just put a bad taste in my mouth, you know, and from then on, it's always been like, well, yeah, if somebody wants me to make something, yes, I will make it for them, you know, and I'll, I'll try to charge what's fair, but I know what I'm getting and, you know, I'm covering my time and all that stuff. But it felt to me, um, like just a bad investment of my month, you know, to produce all that stuff and just hope that it sold. Mm-hmm. Well, it also depends on the, the theater where you're at trying to sell stuff, you know, yeah, that's if, true. if you know, I, I don't know. I assume maybe you were at Make a Fair. I don't know where you were, um, or were you at a craft fair? Or were you? At yeah, they were market? just. Yeah, they were like craft fair and store opening type things. Yeah, because it's it's difficult. You know, you gotta if you you gotta kind of establish a you gotta establish a, a, a you know a stronghold in a spot, and then when people know, they can can expect to see you again and again and again. Because when you do these one day fairs, those two day fairs, it's difficult for people to make a decision to buy something for a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Or a hundred, or fifty, or seventy dollars. You know, whatever it is, and uh, you, you know, you you just have to get lucky. I kind of treat those, uh, and I'm very, I'm very, very picky about what handmade events that I do. Um, but I treat them like like an artist. So that is, this is my gallery event. You know, so an artist will make a bunch of paintings or sculptures, and then they have a gallery event somewhere. They right. might not sell anything, and so I'm treating it the same way. Like I'm presenting myself. Here, here I am. You have the option of of buying it here and now. You know, right, right. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. An, yeah. I mean, that, I guess that's another context thing because if you you know you're looking at it as an artist, which I hadn't thought of it that way. That actually makes a lot of sense. I'm just in general more of a uh, 
kind of fill a, fill a need type person, you know, like purpose built kind of. Um, that's an interesting difference. Mm-hmm. You, uh, Bob, you said something a few minutes ago, which I'm just looking at my notes. Um, you said well, when you first said context thing, and uh, an interesting thing that that I typically do is. I, I mention it all the time. People are constantly asking me to do stuff, whether it's friends or family. And my neighbors, my friends and family, I don't charge them at all. Uh, if they're like, oh, you, oh, no, no, let me pay you something. I say no, because this way I can give it to them and then I could move on. Mm-hmm. I can give them whatever it is. They, I'm like, you know what? It, 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 uh, you know, I'm not, you're not charging. I'm not charging. I'm giving you raw wood. You paint it yourself. You know, that kind of thing. Because... Uh, if I am getting paid and I'm getting paid well, I'll do exactly what the client wants. You know, again, I, the Crown Royal thing, I got paid well. If the sign broke, I went and fixed it. No problem. You know, I help. You know, I want, as far as, you know, that scale of perfection. Somebody wants mm. a shelf for their apartment, I, I'll cut the wood quick. I go, hey, you sand the edges, you do it yourself. Oh, let me give you money. No, don't give me money because then all of a sudden I have to sand the edges and <laughs> I have to put it up and I have yeah. to screw it to your wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, again, it's a context thing, you know, when I'm helping friends and family and I know that they're not helpless, I'll get them down the road to a certain extent. I'll say, here you go. You're on your own. Don't, you know, don't pay me, whatever. Hmm. Buy me dinner, buy me dinner or bring me some, my, my neighbors are really sweet. They bring me food a lot of the time and I love it. Um, but I'm more than happy to help. But like I said, when, you know, when someone says, oh, could you do this for me? I'll pay you. And then even if they're giving you $20, all of a sudden they're like, Oh, but this isn't exactly how I expected it. But if I don't even take a dime, they can't say anything. They go, "Oh my God, thank you so much." Yeah, I, I guess like your, your yeah. scale of perfection is very different depending <laughs> yeah. on what yeah. you get paid. Yeah, you know, so it takes a day to make a shelf where I get paid nothing. It takes a day to make something that I get paid, you know, thousands of dollars. So that day, it's how you want to turn that day into value. You pick and choose those things. Yeah, another <laughs> so, sliding scale on, that you can kind of gauge the perfection and and profit thing is again context but the context of how it's going to be used you know if you're building something that's more um you know useful something that's that's going to be used the you have to gauge like the usefulness against the you know how it looks and how i'm not saying you shouldn't try to make things look good but it depends there's a big difference between if you're making some shelves for somebody that are going to hold books or if you're going to make you know a I don't know, a carved wooden something, something that's just going to look really nice on the wall. And so the expectation both on your end and on the person who's going to be buying it needs to be kind of set based on the utility. That's the word I was looking for. Hmm. On the utility of the object itself. Mm-hmm. You know, no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like and, a lot and, of the mobile things I make, they all, you know, everyone knows they're going to get moved around. They're going to have to be durable. You know, a lot of this, you know, these are t- definitely conversations that have to take place, the expectations and, yeah, you need to clear, clarify that expectation with the person that it's going to, which I think doesn't happen a lot, you know? Like maybe mm-hmm. they have their idea, you have your idea, and that just kind of never gets brought up. Is that something you initiate, that type of conversation, Jimmy? Uh, well, lately a lot of my work has been these like mobile bar units and these things that kind of go on the road and travel like, you know, rock equipment or like stage equipment. And I tell my clients, that they're always like, oh, you know, it has to be durable, the last one broke, or this. I'm like, these things break constantly and there's like no matter what kind of shipping crate i build no matter how i could make unless the thing is literally made out of steel and it weighs 500 pounds there's no way to make these things quote-unquote indestructible because if it gets pushed off of a loading dock and literally falls four feet which at the end of an event when people are packing up 
it's not the person that paid all this money for it that's packing it. It's some guy that's getting paid five, ten dollars an hour. Mm. And he absolutely does not care about it at all. His job is to make that volume move from there into a truck. The volume means nothing to him other than it's something that he has to move. He mm -hmm. picks things up and he puts them down. That's what his job is. He picks things up and he puts them down. And so there is no finesse. So, you know, a lot of my clients are like, oh, you know, the last thing you made, this thing. I'm like, of course it broke because it looks like it hit the wall at 30 miles an hour. Like this, <laughs> There's nothing I can do to keep it from doing that when no one's around at four in the morning and these events get packed away. Um, <clears throat> I was actually uh, pleasantly surprised to hear when I went and worked at the warehouse a few weeks ago to, to do some repairs on something. Uh, the, ra the warehouse manager told me, he goes, everything breaks. He goes, there's absolutely nothing that doesn't break. He goes, we made this one thing and they, they made these indestructible boxes. He goes, they made a flight from Las Vegas to New York or something. He said, every box broke. Hmm. They like rumbled around inside the airplane thing. He goes, every box broke. He goes, I've never seen anything not take some damage some way or another. He goes, you know, and in part due to the pack, the way it gets handled. You know, if it just sits still and nothing happens to it, it's going to be fine. But when it goes from here to there and it drops and, you know, somebody runs it into a curb and then the wheel breaks off the dolly and then the thing is always constantly, you know, limping along. So <clears throat> when it says, when it comes down to perfection, if I made it out of metal, then the metal would bend. I'd get a call that's like, oh, yeah, somebody drove into it and it's bent. Can you come and fix it? So I've never, I've never not had to fix something that went on the road. It seems that to be mm. the case. And uh, so when I, when I charge somebody for something, I just kind of factor that in that I know I'm going to have a return visit down the road. And it, like I said, it's, and it's not because of the quality or anything. Of course, you know, you, you try and do as, as durable a job as you can. But, you know, if you made a beautiful walnut dovetail cabinet and someone pushed it off of a loading dock, something's going to crack. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so, can you, you know, like I said, these are expectations that, that, that come along with these type of jobs. Hmm. Can either of you think of a time when you bought something or had something made for you that you were not satisfied because the perfection wasn't there? Like maybe housework or, or whatever? Uh, yeah, I, I, I paid these guys uh, a lot of money to do my porch upstate. And you see my porch and some pictures, and it's going to be in an upcoming video. And they didn't cover the eaves at all. And uh, so the eaves are all open to like the birds and rats. <laughs> and I have to cover them myself, and I just haven't had a chance to do it. But um, yeah, they raised the roof and left like this whole big gap, which could have taken them one day to fix it. And now every time I'm up at the house, I look at it and I go, I have to fix that now. I just gave these guys, you know, somewhere in the area of $15,000. And I have to kind of come clean up behind them. They did a mm. nice job for what they did. But I was, you know, I know that if it was me and I was hired to do that for me, I would have fixed all these things. And uh, we kind of had a little bit of an odd communication because they kept traveling in between doing my thing. So they were never around. So it was only a few instances where I came up to the house and they were working. Mm. Um, they're, they're nice guys and I, I, I really like them and I do see them on occasion, but they all moved away. So I don't get a chance to see them that much. They do have family. So when they're in town, they come and visit. And I want to always say, look at that. You guys never finished that. But now it's completely <laughs> out of context. And yeah. just, you know, so the timing is, is, is left the building. So I can't really point it out now. It would be too weird. Huh. Our, One of these days, I'll just fix it. Yeah, our, our front steps are concrete and they're crumbling really bad. And for six months, we've been trying to get somebody to come out here and replace them. And it's just been the hardest thing. Like in Toledo, these companies, they just don't want to do the small residential houses. They have bigger things. And 
think finally we found the guy who was coming out on Saturday to give us another quote on there. And my expectation at this point is just so low. Like, we just need new steps now. Like, I don't even right. care how bad they are. We just want new steps so the city doesn't fine us. Sounds like a video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or uh, some concrete steps, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm not into it. See, I get a lot. Like the, uh, I, I made a, or I bought a stand for my X-Carve CNC router. And uh, like a handful of people were like, why didn't you make a stand? And I don't like making that kind of stuff. I would rather make things that out of, out of wood that are, I don't know, less, I don't want to make shop furniture. I don't want to make, I don't well, want to pour That goes steps. back to what I was saying. That's exactly what I was saying before. It's like, I make my shop furniture, quote unquote furniture, you know, tables and stuff. I, you know, when, when Dave and I get spurts of inspiration, we're going to, like, we just got, I just got a new chop saw for my birthday last week. So I'm going to tear out the whole chop saw thing and we're going to do it. We both like made all these plans on Friday last week and we haven't started it yet because neither one of us really want to, like, it's such a hassle. Yeah. I want to just, like, I'll just set the chop saw in a milk crate probably for a month before we <laughs> actually get to doing it. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's cause I'd rather be building something either for a client making money or, or a video. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess one of these days I'll, I'll you know, I'm going to revamp the tables in my shop, but I'm kind of hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, hoping that one day I'll be able to do that for a whole new shop. But you know, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So yeah. one of these days I do have to, uh, address some of the shoddy shop furniture aspects I have. <laughs> yeah, I try not to do that stuff too much, but on occasion, you know, I'll take like one Saturday every few months or something and just redo a tabletop or redo a shelf or redo yeah. something that has to be done. And it, it, I've kind of broken down. So I have my shop on one side of a wall, my office on the other side. And in my office, I have my computer, all my stuff, my shipping for all my T-shirts and all that stuff is behind me. I have a, a whole rack of electronics stuff and my 3D printer. And, I, you know, it's like full of stuff. And so I have some kind of lists of infrastructure stuff that I, that's how I think of it is like, it's what makes me be able to be productive. And when that list gets too long, then I have to take that time and reorganize my shipping area or reorganize my electronics so I can find what I need when I want to get to it or I, you know. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, but I, I really value having stuff where I want it, like where I know how to get to it when I want it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I've actually made a list of the things that have to be kind of caught up with, you know, on a regular basis. No, it's it's a it's a necessary evil, and there is definitely uh, no doubt that you know when it gets down to it, I tear apart the shop and I, the shop, and I have to do a set of shelves over, or I have to, you know, put a new tabletop on, or fix the table. So I just did it finally. I just put new uh, fences on my table. So I just put a new fence and a new rail system and a a zero clearance thing, which I can change out. So I, you know, I upgraded my table saw, which I've been using that table saw with that rickety fence for the longest time. And it is much, much nicer to use it with like a good clean fence that has like the new style. You know, Mm -hmm. the one I was using is 35, 40 years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, eventually it it has to come around. You have to do it. You know, you got to wash your clothes once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) You got to wash your clothes once in a while. That's, that's our next T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I'm laughing about because people see my jeans and they're like, "When's the last time you washed those?" <laughs> last gross. week. Why? That's gross. <laughs> gross. 
Well, so I think no. generally about the the profit, the kind of topic, you know, the profit and perfection thing. I think personally, I think it has a lot to do with context as to how you find that balance. You mm-hmm. know, like what you're doing, what you're working on, what value it, it carries to you from a money perspective, what value it carries to the person that you're making it for. Um, I think it's a really hard thing to nail down, but there's a lot of factors that you have to pull into it. You know, when you try to figure that out, you know, when time yeah. that you've put into it is too much time. Mm-hmm. And that's, well, you know, let's, a lot of times I'll, I'll, people always say, how do you charge? Or how do you charge? I just give somebody a number. And, you know, hopefully that number is far beyond, you know, that margin of error so that when I get stuck making something for four days that I expected only to do a day and a half on, <clears throat> you know, I just try and find some, some learning experience in it so it wasn't all wasted. But uh, like I said, I try and just give a number. But uh, I can't in good conscience, go back to a client and say, you know what? I know I told you two, $3,000 for this. And you know, you really, it's taking me like an extra three days. So you owe me more money. I can't do that, you know, cause I make a commitment right, yeah. and I say, this is what it's going to be. And you know, I'm a grown boy. I should, should know a reasonable expectations of what, what I should be able to do to get it to that point. And if I go beyond that, if for some reason or another, you know, the, the materials fail or, or the machine fails me and I have to start over, I do it. And then I just, you know, I never, it's I not never the, rub it's it not the in anybody's fault. face. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. So, you know, it's totally, it's totally on me. And a lot of that comes so. with experience, right? You've, you've spent so much time making those things, doing the same operations over and over that, you know, kind of the failure points, you know, how long it takes you to do things. So it's probably easier. You know, somebody who's getting started will probably have a tough time for a while Mm-hmm. adjusting their pricing to understand how long it actually takes them to do something. And that's perfectly fine. Like I was telling somebody in this email conversation I had about this, that, you know, pick a number, because he was asking me about a, like an hourly rate. Like what's an hourly rate that I should kind of gauge my total price with? And I said, I really don't know. It's different for you. It's different for me because we live in different places. We're doing different things. Yeah. But just pick one, do the job. And then when you're done with that job, go back and look at it and like, was it profitable? No. Okay. Next time that number has to be twice that or whatever. You yeah. know. And so I mean, I think when you're getting started, you just have to take that into account that not everything's going to be profitable and that's perfectly fine, but it's getting you closer to Yeah, it, it definitely, you know, comes with experience. I just told a friend of mine recently who's kind of venturing into uh kind of self-sufficiency as far as a woodworker and craftsperson. She's a, you know, a, a fine woodworker and a craftsperson, but now she's kind of, she, you know, she's no longer in the, in the quote unquote stage of assisting. She's developing her own clients and so on. And, uh, she's real nervous about pricing. I just said, give yourself a day rate. What is your day worth to you your whole day? What is your day? She said a number. I was like, okay, that's what your day is worth. No dilly dallying around with the dollar per hour. That's your day rate. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to hire you, they hire you for a day. They want to hire you for two days, they hire you for two days. If you look at a job and you say to yourself, that job is going to take me two days, that's two days worth of your day rate. You don't need to explain why you came to that number unless they really ask you. So you say, okay, if your day rate's $1,000 a day, that job in your head, inside your inner thoughts, you say that's going to be two days worth of work. I'll charge $2,000 plus maybe 10% more for materials, whatever it is, you know, whatever makes sense. And then you give the client that number, and if they say, "Oh, that's wonderful," when can we start? Then you're in business. And like Bob said, if you have to readjust that after you realize you've spent too much time and not exactly two days, maybe you spent three or four. You just got to kind of be 
then you know in that material, that type of job, you, you have a better gauge, whatever that job was, if it's building a 10-foot table. You learn you from that, it, and you take that Yeah, you know that project. that job should be three days instead of two when you mm-hmm. first initially thought. And just so everybody so, knows, that, that piece of advice is the first interaction I ever had with Jimmy. I sent him an email asking him oh, really? about that. Yeah, about that exact same thing, and you said the exact same thing about the day rate. I remember that. I did? I yeah. don't even remember. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And it was helpful no, for me. I started looking at it in a different way, you know, versus pricing the, the object itself. And it's, you know, the time I put into that object, price the day, and then see how much yeah. you can get done in that day. Because everything takes a day, no matter what. <laughs> I mean, if you're just going to like dilly-dally after dinner before you go to bed, you know, that's a hobby. But if you're going to like make a table, it's going to take you a day or two or three days. Nothing takes a half a day. and Nobody should know that, you know, a half a day's worth of work is going to be whatever. Yeah. $15 an hour. You know, no one just, just say a number and then whatever that number is, make sure you add to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as you, as you go on developing clients, you know, it, the reason you work for yourself is so you, you're not trapped in that dollar per hour, you know, wage type of situation. Of course you work for yourself because it's sort of like a natural progression of, you know, your own independence, but, um, you know, working for yourself has its advantages and just being able to just tell a client a number and try and work within that number. And, you know, m- you try and more often than not have that number be hugely profitable. Sometimes it's not going to be, but then you live with the ups and downs of life. Yeah, it kind of evens out in the end, probably. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when it comes to choosing the materials as far as uh, perfection, quote unquote, and durability, and, you know, you, you, you know that you, you start to realize. And you also start to realize, like, like I have clients where I've made something out of beautiful oak, and they don't even care. They could care less. They're like, okay, I'm just gonna, it's gonna be a table. And you go to the house, and they have like drink rings all over it. They don't care. So the next time I build that same thing for that client, I'm gonna build the same thing, but I'm gonna use oak plywood and use hardwood edges and stuff like that because they don't care. They they don't even care about the craftsmanship that goes into it. Mm. You know, so I'm not saying I'm gonna rip them off. I'm just not gonna put the same care that they don't put into it. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to bend over backwards making this thing, you know, for uh, whatever, a 20 or 30% profit when I could make more profit and they don't care either way. Yeah. Just, you know, but, you know, I have clients that totally respect and see the, the, the quality that goes into it. And those are the guys I'll make sure because I know they're looking and they care and they want to see it. So I'll make sure that I'll go, I'll go overboard. So, you know, it all depends on who you're working for. You know, you make a beautiful bench for someone, you come in, it's in the closet, and it's got the cat litter box on it. And you're like, oh, I guess they don't, I guess I shouldn't have bent over backwards for that one. Yeah. You know? Cool. So, well, I think mean, that's probably a good place to wrap it up for this one, unless you guys have any other thoughts. No. Nope. Uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, again, to our patrons and all their supporters for, for, you know, supporting us on Patreon, it, it makes a big difference. And I don't want to talk about it too much to where it bothers people, but it actually is really, really helpful for us. And it motivates us to do the show, continue to do the show, and we already enjoy it. So that's awesome. So anyway, I just want to say thanks to them. Yes, thank, thank you, everybody. Um, so thank where can we find out about everybody? David? I am at drunkenwoodworker.com. Jimmy's making faces. I don't know if they're at me. <laughs> Jimmy, no. does, Jimmy hates my site. <laughs> I'm just stretching my face. <laughs> stretching my face. All right, I'm at drunkenwoodworker.com, and you can find all my YouTubes and Twitters and Instagrams and blogs there. Uh, you can Google me at 
G O O G L E dot com. <laughs> How in the world did you did get sp- that site? That's insane. Did I spell Google right? <laughs> yeah. You Needs like 10 more O's in the middle there. Bob. Yeah, I'm all at I like to make stuff.com. And hopefully next week I won't have this crazy low voice. So that's it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you have some ideas about this topic or topics for the future or anything, let us know at Making It Podcast on Twitter or on the uh, website. You know, get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you next week. Later on. Thank you. <laughs>